You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on up the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Podcast time. Thanks for being here. Gary Hill with you. Seattle Mariners baseball podcast at Mariners Pod. As the M's get set for a pretty massive three-game weekend series against the Oakland A's. Mariners, of course, since we've talked last, swept aside by Baltimore below 500 on the marathon August road trip and Hard to believe now. September is here. A sprint to the finish. The Mariners have some work to do now. You look at the standings, and the Mariners four and a half back. They've lost five in a row, but now taking on the Oakland A's, 58-75, and second-worst record in the American League. And, of course, their team looks a lot different than it did early in the season with trades. Uh, Doolittle, Madsen gone, of course, Sonny Gray as well. You just go down the list. Alonzo now with the Mariners. So a different-looking Oakland A's team as they are in full youth movement, and the Mariners need to take advantage of them over the weekend. So we're going to go through quickly a couple games in Baltimore since we talked last. Uh, There's a fun visit in Baltimore, too. I'll play a little uh, piece of it, a visit to the Babe Ruth Birthplace Museum, which is pretty fun. So that conversation comes up. Uh, Also, we're going to hear from Jerry Depoto in just a minute talking about the trade. M's trade for Mike Leake. He's going to get the ball tonight, so wasting no time. He's going to start against the A's tonight. And also coming up, Joe Simpson. Great conversation between he and Rick Riz when they were in Atlanta. Joe Simpson, the former Mariner, and Mariner broadcaster as well. So that's a fun conversation. So all of that comes up. Not so fun was the time in Baltimore for the M's to end that trip. And it started since we talked last, started against Dylan Bundy in game two of that series, and he was sensational. Double-digit punch-outs, complete game shutout, allows just one bunt base hit on his game. Tremendous. And uh, Baltimore takes the series. In the third game of the series, the Mariners, they broke through with a huge third inning. The 0-2 to Hanniger. Swung on, lined into left field. That's down for a base hit. Here comes one run. Rounding third hard is Cruz. He's going to be waved in. He'll score. Mitch Hanniger into second base. A two-RBI double, and the Mariners have captured the lead. It is the M's four, and it's Baltimore two. They put six on the board, but Miranda couldn't hold the lead. Baltimore just playing long ball. They really did all series long. And Baltimore ends up winning two one-run games in the series. Slugfests in game one and game three. And Baltimore takes them both. Here's what the skip said after the ball game. Scott, you talked about finishing games. You had the big inning, but after that. Yeah, you know, we... uh... It was nice to get our, our offense going today. We strung together some hits, put a big number up there, and uh, I thought we were in really good shape there. Obviously, uh, the home run ball 
what got us today. You know, Miranda gets some balls up, and you know, it was a good day to hit. Obviously, the ball was was carrying out of here today, but you know, kind of a crazy game with you know uh, going to the bullpen early. Uh, you know, Pagan has really given us everything we could ask for. He's kind of out of gas a little bit, and then trying to shorten it from there. Obviously, when when David Phelps uh, went down, you know, trying to stop you know the rally there, so going to Vincent, but. When you do that, you know, it's eventually it's going to catch up with you a little bit. I was, you know, just didn't get through the eighth, but, um, you know, Hanniger had a really nice day today. Swung the bat great. Uh, nice to see our offense come alive a little bit. Disappointing uh, at the end of the road trip here uh, in Baltimore the way we did. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll regroup uh, day off tomorrow, travel back home, and get it going back there. Was it the same elbow issue for Phelps? Yeah, he, he felt the, the same thing on uh, the last pitch he made. Trying to throw a cutter and, and just um, you know felt it right there. So you know it doesn't bother him warming up. He felt okay earlier in the game. Uh, just the last pitch there, he, he felt it. So you know reevaluate, see where he's at. Uh, you know off day tomorrow, and you know come back after that. So obviously he's a big part of our bullpen, trying to piece it together. We've asked a lot of our bullpen, um, you know all these guys, and you know stretching them and and uh, putting them <laughs> in high leverage spots earlier in games sometimes. But you know today it just didn't work out. He hadn't pitched a ton recently. Has he been? Had to be careful with that. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, we've been out there a couple times. Hasn't been real sharp, uh, but he had some down time and you know felt good about, you know, if we had to stretch him for four or five outs today, um, you know, we, that was kind of the plan going into the game. So, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get there uh, with him. He just, you know, the elbow grabbed him, and then we had to go to Vincent. Scott. If it's earlier in the year, if Nick hadn't been used as much, would you have pushed him a little bit more? I mean, he'd only gone inning in a pitch. Yeah, no, I understood. Yeah, no, it, very good question. Um, you know, where we're at and, and not trying to overdo it uh, with, with Nick again either. Uh, that, that was the thought, you know, get us out of the jam. Obviously, he had an easy seventh um, and, you know, hoping to get through the eighth. We just didn't get through it. But it's kind of a tough park for a round against their right-handers. Very, yeah, it was a tough matchup, no doubt. We knew coming into today. It was going to be uh, tough. That's why, you know, excited when we see us put the big number up there early. Uh, you know, he had pretty good stuff. You know, he had him, you know, and they get five or six strikeouts today. He didn't walk anybody. But the fastballs he left up, you know, they were on him. And certainly as the game went on, you know, second, third time around, they were on the off speed a little bit better too. But, uh, yeah, not, not a great day. Yeah, you think earlier you're getting some breaks so you get the ball off the bag and yeah, we did. You know, uh, Cruz got the ball, got good fortune hitting the bag, and, and Zanino dropped the one in for a two RBI single. Uh, you know, so it kind of felt like the momentum was was coming in our favor. And then, you know, they obviously they've been hot. Uh, they've been swinging the bats really well, and, and we couldn't slow them down. Uh, you know, certainly when they got the momentum going again, and that's why we went to Vincent when we did. When you look at the end of the struggles you've had at the end of this long trip, how much? Do you think road weariness has come into play, or do you think it's just coming up short just against other teams? Oh, uh, we've come up short. There's been different reasons for for our loss. Some of it's been you know lack of offense. Today we had plenty of offense. Uh, it's been different areas. That, you know, can't really pinpoint one specific thing other than you know we have asked a lot of our bullpen, and uh, when you have those games like that, you know it's it's, it's high leverage, it's high stress pitches. You know, we just weren't able to get through it today, but uh, we'll regroup uh, off day tomorrow. We'll come back home and long home stand and, and get it going there. I know you had Eddie up. Is he under the weather a little bit? Uh, yeah, Eddie um, had an issue yesterday. wasn't available. Uh, he had a muscle spasm thing. Uh, he was available today. Ryan, we're going to use him. Didn't want to, you know, just if you use him, it was gonna, probably going to be for one inning, um, you know, and give him time to warm up and get loose. But, uh, um, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was a tough game. 
they're trying to piece it together there at the end and just didn't quite get enough. But, again, a really good day by Mitch Hanniger. I was happy to see that. So now the M's in a tough spot. They've lost five in a row. Meanwhile, Minnesota, they've won four in a row. They hold the second slot, and all of a sudden, they're just a game back from New York for the first slot. Minnesota, an excellent August. They really played well. The Angels have won three in a row, and they added yesterday uh, Brandon Phillips now to play second base, Justin Upton to play left field. They let Maven go to the Houston Astros. So the Angels trying to improve that offense. They are four games above 500. Baltimore lost yesterday. They're 68-66. and 66. Tampa a game below, four out. Texas, they're a game below at four out. Then the Mariners, four and a half, tied with Kansas City at four and a half. So Mariners could really use a winning streak starting tonight against the Oakland A's. Mike Leake will make his Mariners debut. Sean Manaya, the lefty, will take the ball for the Oakland A's. He's had an up-and-down season, but great stuff. So big, big, big series for the Mariners starting tonight. This is as much about the next, you know, three potentially four years as it is about this next you know four or five weeks but obviously we feel like mike helps us walking in the door uh for 2017 but the the chance to acquire you know a a guy who's gonna pitch his 30 year old season next year and and get some controllable pitching in the door with a history of durability like mike has is uh, for us that was a a huge concern going into the off season and something we were able to address in August. So, you know, not only were we able to help our, our short-term uh, outlook, but we, I, I believe we helped address some of our longer-term needs. And and uh, we've been working on this, uh, I'd say, roughly about a week. So dating back to, to last uh, Wednesday, Thursday was was the, the first conversation, and we, we wrapped it up very late last night. Jerry, it's Ryan. Uh, how much was the cash uh, coming back from the Cardinals uh, important in the deal because he has a lot of money owed? And uh, any sense on how much you're getting? Uh, I have a very clear sense that I'm not comfortable sharing without first discussing with the with the Cardinals. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a, a strong consideration for us, and we feel like the the contribution the Cardinals made was uh, it was both significant and made us feel good about the the price point. Now, and the way we viewed it, if Mike Leake is a 30-year-old free agent and we were able to, to achieve this deal with him, then we would feel comfortable signing him to that, to that contract. So you know, it's a, it, was a, it was a real consideration and, and a, a strong factor in, in what led us to doing this deal. I think when Mariner fans think about Baltimore, they think about Camden Yards, they might not necessarily think about Babe Ruth. Think about New York, the house that Ruth built, of course, playing for Boston, but birthplace and here we are at his birthplace and museum first of all how long has the museum been going we've been open since 1974 and we've often joked that you know the yankee stadium was the house that ruth built well this is the house that built ruth uh this is where it all started yeah he was born here in baltimore on emory street originally this neighborhood was slated for demolition part of an urban Mm -hmm. renewal project and baltimore city's the mayor's office would always send someone in to make sure they didn't tear down something they shouldn't and lo and behold they discovered babe ruth was born in one of these houses and it completely saved the neighborhood a committee was formed uh to restore the house and uh, the, the city itself bought the property and uh, turned it into a museum back in 1974. And what's amazing about it, for people who have never been here, it's just steps away 
from Camden Yards. We were really lucky. We were really lucky when the new ballpark was built. Of course, you know, it's not new anymore. Mm-hmm. It's 25 years old. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, long fly ball from, from Oriole Park. How did Babe Ruth get the name Babe? Uh, great question. Uh, Babe is a student at the St. Mary's Industrial School for Boys here in Baltimore. It's a reform school. Uh, and the owner of the Orioles hears that there's this great, phenomenal kid out at St. Mary's. He has to see play. So he goes out and sees him and agrees. This guy is great. I want to sign him. He's a man by the name of Jack Dunn. But Babe Ruth is 19 years old. He's actually George Ruth then. 19 years old. And the Zavarian brothers said, you can't have him. He's still considered a minor. If you want him, you have to sign custody papers. You have to become his legal guardian. Well, Jack Dunn's a smart man, says, where do I sign? Signs custody papers and then sends him to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Well, the other Orioles are there, and they start teasing, and they start teasing Jack Dunn. Hey, have you seen Dunny's new baby? Have you seen Dunny's new babe? First time George Jr. is in the papers, it is as George Herman Ruth Jr. The second time he's in the papers, it's George Babe Ruth, and the name stuck. Here's a pitch. It's a slow curve low, and the Babe swings. It's a long one, a long one going out toward right center. Stengler's backing up against the wall. He can't get it. It's in there. Another home run for the Bambino. Well, his father was a barkeeper. Mm -hmm. He had several different bars um, during his career. Uh, One of them is actually between shortstop and center field. Um, He was there for a long time, and then he owned one directly across the street, uh, what is now the Hilton property. So, yeah, uh, this uh, ballpark has a long history of baseball, (laughs) even long before the stadium was ever built. (laughs) Well, the collection in here is awfully impressive. What can people expect to see if they visit? Well, I think there's a lot. We try to showcase Babe Akorths as, you know, the best player of all time, mm-hmm. but we also focus on him as a family man, uh, his relationship with children, his role uh, in movies and uh, on the radio. There's a lot of different parts of Babe Ruth that people don't realize, and we try to we try to tell the whole story. He set 205 records during his career, many of the times that he broke himself. Many of those records still stand, or he's now ranked number two or three on them. Um, but he is the greatest ball player. That's why we call it the Ruthian record. Um, players may come after one of those titles, but no one has ever come after all of them. And we have a chance to sit down and talk with uh, former Mariners outfielder Joe Simpson, who played for the Mariners from 1979 until 1982. Joe, thanks for joining us. Uh, a lot of history in this Mariners franchise, and thanks a lot for being our guest, buddy. My pleasure, Rick. And my time in Seattle was uh, great. I loved every minute of it and met a lot of nice people like you. Oh, man. Thank you very much, buddy, and a lot of great people. 79 to 82. How did you become a Seattle Mariner? It was kind of funny, actually. I was out of options with the Dodgers, and I'd made it clear to them that uh, if they tried to send me back to AAA again, I was going to quit. I guess I should have said that maybe two or three years before. <laughs> but my agent at the time said, well, there's, a, there's two or three teams interested. Uh, one place you don't want to go is Seattle. They're so loaded with outfielders there. They've, they've got a million outfielders. So I'm sitting in the dugout in Vero Beach with the Dodgers. Here comes Al Campanis walking through the stands. And I was hoping it had something to do with me. And sure enough, he said, Joe, you've been sold to the Seattle Mariners, and we wish you luck. And I'm thinking, okay, that's good news and bad news. (laughs) I'm getting out of here, but I'm going to a team that's already got a million outfielders. I went to Tempe the next day. From there, we played about three or four more games. The day that they acquired me, they cut a bunch of guys, including a bunch of outfielders. It opened up some space. And the funny part was Daryl Johnson was our manager. No one ever told me I made the team. 
I just kept, yeah, the, the plane was leaving Tempe. I got on the plane. <laughs> My other team or what? Yeah, and I, I got to Seattle. We had a workout. Uh, nobody said anything. We were still one guy over the over the limit. I'd call my wife and I'd say, well, I'm, I'm here. Uh, season starts tomorrow. I'm going to show up. So sure enough, um, the next day they cut a guy and didn't cut me, and they kept me and Bobby Valentine. You played with some uh, interesting characters and played for some interesting managers. Over that time as a Mariner, what were some of your fondest memories in Seattle? The fondest memory is getting a chance. Uh, Daryl Johnson giving me an opportunity and trying to make the best of it. One funny note there was he called me in because he didn't know me that well, and he said, just be patient. You know, I'll try to get you in there, you know, when we can. The second game of the season, Nolan Ryan's pitching, and I'm in there. So I guess I was really patient. I wait, <laughs> waited my turn. Nolan Ryan. Yeah, Nolan Ryan. I had, they were just good teammates, fun guys, and I know we weren't very good, and we lost a lot of games. I don't remember anybody not playing hard and doing their best because it was an expansion team, and we were a bunch of players who were – you know, I don't want to say cast-offs, but uh, players who were getting getting an opportunity, show what they could do. And we had some good players like Bruce Bakhti, Julio Cruz, who, who really stood out on our club. And you played with uh, some guys that were kind of out there. Bill Caudill liked to have a lot of fun, and Larry Anderson, and you, and Joe Simpson. Uh, what was it like playing with those guys, and how much fun did you have on and off the field? Well, the funny part about that to me is that uh, while uh, there were a lot of laughs, and a lot of little capers going on. When it was time to bear down, we knew when to do that. And everybody, when they put the uniform on every night, there was no fooling around. We were playing hard. I told you a few days ago, I thought in 1982 we had a real good team and a chance. We had a shot at it in the AL West, and Renee Latchman was our manager. And we were hanging in there with the Royals and a couple of other good teams until Todd Cruz got hurt. Todd was our shortstop and was having a terrific year. And when he got hurt, we, it really hurt us up the middle. We started kind of going downhill, and we didn't play as well the rest of the way. What was it like playing in the kingdom for you? Tough. It was very tough. There were a lot of aspects about it that were tough, especially for the outfielders in right field. Uh, there was the so-called Bermuda Triangle in the roof where you could lose the ball, pop fly, and that was hard. And also, the way it was configured – for the Seahawks, there was a trench in the turf that ran right through from the right field foul line into left center. And it was covered up by a plank that had turf wrapped around it. But it seemed like that was exactly where you needed to feel the ball when it was a base hit, like hugging the turf, rolling out there. Yeah, it was right there. And you had to really slow down to see what the ball was going to do off that plank. And those two things stood out. Did you hit your first Major League home run in a Mariners uniform? I, I did. I did off Tom Bergmeier of the um, Red Sox in right field, right down the line. You know, that's a titanic blast in the kingdom, right? <laughs> right, down, right down the line. Uh, a side story to that was I'd been at a clinic uh, the winter before with Tom Bergmeier and a bunch of other guys, and he goes, gee, Joe, do your legs swell up like that every winter? <laughs> Making fun of the fact that I was very skinny. So rounding the bases with Tom, I yelled to him, how do my legs look now? <laughs> After your playing days, visiting with Joe Simpson here in our 40th anniversary set of interviews, uh, such a great friend, and now doing a great job, longtime broadcaster for the Atlanta Braves Radio and Television. You became a broadcast legend, first of all, with the Mariners. Came to Seattle to work on radio and TV with uh, Dave Niehaus. How did that come about for you, to get in the broadcast booth with Dave and us? And us? Our good friend, Randy Adamack, had always talked to me about the potential of this when I got out of baseball, and I told him I was very interested 
but I wanted to play as long as I could, naturally. There was a year with Kansas, the one year I was with Kansas City, Randy called and said, we have an opening, and I said, no, I'm, I'm still playing. Yeah. I'd like to play a little longer. And then when I did get released by Kansas City, the job had been filled by Ken Brett. Well, as you know, Ken was there maybe one or two years, and it, it opened up again. And Randy called, said they had an opening, wanted to know if I was interested. Certainly I was. And I came and interviewed for the job and was fortunate enough to come away with it. We were fortunate to have you. Uh, what was it like for you working with Dave Niehaus? And do you have a favorite Dave story? Oh, I've got several, none, <laughs> none of which I can tell here. But I was fortunate to work with both of you guys. I learned so much from you and Dave, Rick, and things that are still with me today, 31 years later. The five years I spent in Seattle were uh, like going to school every day with you guys. Dave uh, was a great mentor, and speaking of having a good time, we all had a good time, thanks to Dave and his great sense of humor and uh, sir, you know, he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster. That's pretty much all you need to say. But as far as favorite stories, they were like goofy stories, because, yeah. like when he would buy a new pair of shoes on the road trip and then leave them in the overhead in the plane yeah. <laughs> and when we get home from the road trip, and he'd be cussing on the bus because he forgot his shoes again. Uh, things like that that always stay with me. Fond, fond memories. And, Joe, you were such a part of the early days and the history of the Mariners franchise, and like I said earlier, doing a fantastic job and a fun job here in Atlanta for many years on radio and television. Joe, thanks a lot for joining us here on our 40th anniversary set of interviews. Uh, You're a part of Mariners history. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. It's hard to believe, Rick, that it's been that long. I mean, I was there for the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth years of Mariner history, and I'm sorry to say how fast that's gone by. Joe, thanks a lot, buddy. You bet, Rick. See you later!